0: Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Much is being written today about what makes for effective management. Times are tougher and tougher for most businesses, and all too often that means times are tougher and tougher for the workers. More and more is expected on less and less. Few people are swimming against that tide. I've been reading some compelling logic, for instance, from Fairfax economics editor Ross Gittens recently, who says that happier staff work better, and the best businesses are those that look after their workers, train them, mentor them, pay them well, and let them just get on with the job. Wouldn't you want to work there? And there's another interesting voice in this debate who says that effective management is a result of a compassionate culture. Wouldn't you want to work there? Marg Toneman has worked for many years in management, coaching and consulting for CEOs. And she's on about leadership that's fair and just and brilliant. The carrot principle. So where does that come from? Let's see. Marg Toneman joins us now on Open House. Marg, welcome. Hi, Great wisdom. I look forward to uh, this discussion enormously, Marg. As I said, it's a question that's so much in the forefront today. What kind of workplace works best? How do we treat the workers? Uh, so often the response of companies and managers is to just keep on ramping up the pressure. They are anything but compassionate and the workers are anything but happy. Is this all just a product of our tougher economic times, do you think?
1: I think in part, yes. It is a result of tougher economic times. The idea that an organisation le- needs to be lean um, and uh, to to get the very most out of its employees. Unfortunately, pushing to that level of getting the most doesn't, doesn't return loyalty and doesn't necessarily return high performance. In fact, what it does do is create very disgruntled, very unhappy employees and unhappy employees don't produce.
0: Yes, because it's... Lean, for sure, but also often mean.
1: That's right. Yeah.
0: Let's see where you fit into this. Give us a bit of a background about yourself, where you've been coming from. How have you been shaped in your particular approach to management, Mark?
1: Well, certainly for me, one of the uh, eye-opening moments, I suppose, is early on in my consulting career and early on in, in my career as an employee when I started to see that results uh, were were not necessarily um, about pushing Uh, to the point of breaking, but people responded with loyalty and with performance when they were treated with respect, when they were treated with some consideration. So for me then as an employer, I started to also see in my own conduct that when I treated my staff well, I got great results. And when I pushed them, I didn't get great results. So not only was it my own personal experience as as an employer, but also prior to that as an employee, where I would see that in my colleagues, and I saw that in the relationships uh, that that my then-employer had with others.
0: So you've come up with, as I said, this carrot principle, C-A-R-A-T. We'll go through that in a moment. And one thing I love about it, how it's grounded in research, you're tackling a range of what you call fads in how managers manage. What do you mean by that?
1: Essentially what I saw when I started in consulting many years ago, what I saw is that we would as consultants and what I saw in organisations, is organisations would really jump from one thing to the next. It was the idea of um, managing almost in a sense like a a ball in a pinball machine that that manages through a sense of insecurity and wanting to do the very best, would jump from one thing that uh, promised some results, and then would drop that quickly and move to the next.
0: You feel a bit sorry for them in a way. Yeah, I do. Just... <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. So this is the carrot principle. Um, C A R A T, as I said. C for compassion, That's right. which is the foundational component. A for affirmation. R for reliability. A for accountability and T for trust CARAT take us through each one of those elements why they're important and how they work out in practice first compassion and and it's not sympathy or as you say sycophancy
1: that's right and i think that's where a lot of organizations even uh, you know very much today in the idea of wanting organizations wanting to be an employer of choice uh, get to that point where they think being compassionate means that they have to accept everything yes. within uh, you know, the parameters of what happens in that employee-employer relationship. So if someone uh, is repeatedly late or uh, wanting to leave early, those those types of areas, uh, people feel well. Oh, you know, I've got to be compassionate. I have to. I have to accept that. The reality is that you can't accept that. You need to. You need to create accountability. People need to be made to be accountable uh, for their performance and for their co- for their conduct. So it's it's being moved to act uh, to, favorably in a situation for sure. But but it's compassion with accountability, and you can't okay. have one without the other.
0: And compassion is a kind of heart thing.
1: That's right. It's a, it's a heart thing. It's looking at, and, and again, some of the examples that I use is the example of Jesus Christ, the example of Gandhi and, and Martin Luther King, which says that they saw an unjust situation and they were moved to respond. So compassion is that it's a behavior, it's a conduct. It's saying this situation is unfair and I'm going to do something about it.
0: And a product of how we view our workers. I think that's one of the keys to it, it seems. Mm.
1: Well, in, in the workplace, it's manifested by being considerate when someone needs to take time off because their child is sick. It's being considerate when uh, there is illness or there is um, you know, certain areas that happen in life that we need to be compassionate towards. But that is also again. I keep coming back to you can't have one of those components without the others because then and because then they're out of balance.
0: Yes. So next one is affirmation, and uh, I love the quote from Jack Welsh. He's the retired chairman and CEO of General Electric, a huge and very successful company. What was his approach, Mark?
1: Uh, certainly. You know Jack uh, was uh, some some uh, uh, supporters of Jack will say that uh, he did uh, great things by his uh, by his uh, people and he did in many ways and One of the things that he said is the job of any leader is to is to make your people feel as though they are twelve feet tall and he did that very well in some instances unfortunately in some other instances he didn't do so well and I mentioned that in the book where there was some retrenchments and some other things that went on but certainly the ethos is there that idea that treat people you know raise the benchmark not lower the benchmark make people feel as though they can do amazing things and I know my own examples with my own employees when I've when I believe the best of them that they they have you know reason to the challenge rather than the other way around you 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 know it 's like that that old saying you you keep calling someone a, a, an idiot then they 'll eventually behave that way yes
0: you take people through a one minute exercise. let us know what that is
1: it 's a it 's an exercise that i 've done for many years in in consulting, and I suppose it 's probably the one that uh, returns the the greatest result in the shortest amount of time. And what, what I do is I, I ask people to pair up and we spend 60 seconds saying, affirming things to each other, whether it's the color of their tie, the color of their eyes or their intellect or whatever. What, it, it never fails to surprise me how that 60 seconds creates this camaraderie between that partnership, even of people who I know within that organization aren't getting on well. Because it it takes away. I suppose that's the 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 idea of saying I can I can focus on something good about that person. I don't necessarily need to like everything about that person. I don't necessarily need to feel that I, this person going to be the best mate uh, in this in this place in this workplace. But I can focus on some good aspects, and uh, and it uh, it creates that sense of motivation. And for me, having spent years of training people in the area of motivation, what I saw over time was that some of the simplest things create the greatest result. And that idea of being genuine and genuinely applauding someone's efforts and genuinely identifying some good things about other people uh, were far more motivating than, you know, giving them a a pay increase or, um, you know, massage or Thursday afternoon or fruit in the fruit bowl or Wednesday morning, those sort of things.
0: Yeah. We're only human and you can't help but respond when somebody says good things about you or regards you well. That's right. So reliability and accountability, you mentioned that before. Take us through that part of the carrot principle, Mike.
1: Again, it's that idea of balance. You can't be compassionate and affirming without also wanting to be a reliable individual and reliability within the workfa- workplace means that you're up on time you are there to do the hard yards when when required it's it it you know compassion and affirmation are the nice parts in a workplace but reliability and accountability are saying look I'm I'm here to do the job and I'm going to do it well that's the accountability part
0: and finally there's trust who's that applying to Probably both sides I suppose.
1: Yeah absolutely and what I've seen is that by treating people with compassion and affirmation, being reliable, calling people to account, that actually creates trust, that creates uh, an environment, a culture where trust is very high, where employees trust that their employer is going to take care of them, that through the lean times their employer will be there, Through through the good times their employer is going to share some of that some of that good stuff around.
0: I mean, I just think, again, it's just a no-brainer. You cannot have any kind of relationship, work or not, without a sense of trust.
1: Absolutely. And uh, Herb Kelleher, great example of that, founder of United Airlines, similar, you know, very, very much the approach was, you know, being a he was at the forefront of the organisation, would roll up uh, his sleeves, uh, hand out, uh, you know, peanuts with the air stewards. Um, It was... (laughs) That that approach of um, we're in this for the long haul, we're in this together.
0: Yeah, and I'm on your side. On open house, we're with Marg Toneman, who's the author of the Carrot Principle. Marg, what I'm struck by is how you've mentioned it before. How you've based so much of this principle on the words, the actions, the life of Jesus. So, can I put this to you? Isn't it a bit of a stretch in a way? Um, applying that 2,000 years ago with management principles in 2011.
1: Leah, I certainly don't believe so, and I wouldn't have written the book if I um, felt so. And I, and I say it in that way simply because what I love about the conduct of Jesus is that it, it is per- pertinent today, just as pertinent today as it was 2,000 years ago. And one of the, certainly one of the uh, things that, uh, one of the, uh, reasons the book was written at the time I was studying leaders and looking at what great leaders do. And again and again, I kept on coming back to the conduct of Jesus mm-hmm. and how he manifested that idea of, of a great leader. And whilst we can talk about well, what leaders do, and we know that academically they, they uh, vision and they communicate, what is difficult to Find out is well how do they behave because essentially it is how someone behaves it is the the contact it's the the content of their character to quote uh, Martin Luther King it's that that is the 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 marker of who we are so I look at Jesus and I look at his examples the biblical examples of his conduct and I couldn't find. Uh, I mean, obviously, you can't find fault with, with the conduct of Jesus. But then I looked at how it can be applied in organizational life, and I thought, this is amazing. Yes. You know, it is, it is just as fresh, just as pertinent. And more so now, I think, more so where we're, where we're struggling with identity and we struggle with this idea of, um, you know, how much... I, I, how much exists in 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 some organisations? How much people get paid, and how much and how little others get paid, and all those sense that sense of injustice that is that is heightened. I think.
0: Why do you think it is, Marg, that those kinds of character traits and and lessons of life that Jesus urges upon us that they can translate and indeed transform today?
1: When I um certainly studied and, and researched for the book one of the other things that I, that I that struck me was that Jesus and and this is something that I think we can all accept irrespective of whether we agree that uh, of his divine connection I think one of the things that struck me is that he changed the world and his impact is You know, something we can't we can't dispute we what we can you know argue and theorize is whether he was the son of God but that is is beside the point, I suppose, with regards to his conduct. Yes. But he changed. He's his, his conduct changed the world, and continues to change the world. And I looked at the conduct of Martin Luther King, another another great world changer, and he was someone who who changed America in the '60s. And then I looked at the conduct of of Gandhi, who wasn't a Christian, but still used those same principles to change. India and to change and call and call England to account in the same way that that Martin Luther King called America to account, and so here were these Christians and non-Christians, to, you know, these two men who were, one was modelling his life on Jesus, the other certainly wasn't, but still used those same behaviours to change their generation and change the world.
0: And it's probably worth making the point that these are characteristics that can apply to people with faith or without.
1: That's exactly right. Yes. That's exactly right, which is why uh, I think it was important that uh, Gandhi was used there because my, what I, what I, the premise essentially is saying that you can change the world, you can change your organisation. By these principles. And here are three individuals one Jesus, two Martin Luther King, three Gandhi, who may have had some different uh, religious experiences uh, in regards to Gandhi and Luther King, but they use that behaviour to change their generations and subsequent generations.
0: Mark, you also explore how the concept of rest applies to this, even resting in your leader or manager, how it might play out in the workforce, which I'm sure many would be scratching their heads about in this day and age, especially you see CEOs working their 12 to 14-hour days. What do you mean by that rest, Mark?
1: I use the uh, quote, rest for the weary, and that is a biblical quote, which is saying that the way that we need to treat our staff is that once they're, you know, we send them out there, like, uh, you know, um, out in the battlefield in sales, and and they come back and they're battered and they're bruised, and, and, you know, organizational life is tough, work is is tough, and, and there's a lot of pressure. And so what we need to, we need to be able to to have that relationship where we come back to our leaders and our CEOs and our CEOs can say, well, you know, rest in me, I'll cover you, I'll take care of you, I'll, I'll look after you and I won't stab you in the back, I'm not going to hang you out to dry, I'm not just going to be looking at how I can increase my own salary and I don't give two hoots about how you're going to make ends meet because that's the latter is what i see in organizations and i see that in organizations that say things like oh we really do have a lot of respect we do respect our people i find that that's an oxymoron when a when a ceo takes a 5 million dollar salary and then is sure. retrenching staff on the other on the other side of that ledger
0: yes so you say behavior creates a culture so it's much more personal about who we are our character that shapes a workplace and its culture.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, character is, it's our behaviour that creates culture and it's the collective, when we refer to that word organisational culture, it's the sum of the, the you know, the individual's behaviour. And therefore, if we can address that, and this is what I do in the, what I, what I talk about, is that it's easy to say, uh, you know, we treat people the way we want to be treated, that's a much easier thing to say than to actually do, which yes. is why those five behaviours are the markers. The five behaviours are, the, I suppose, the manifestation of that idea of treating others the way you want to be treated. Yep. And so there's, there's, that creates the balance in the workforce. And the behaviour... Uh, when managed well, that creates performance that organisations are about. It comes back to that lean and mean. We can still be lean, we just don't need to be mean.
0: Yeah. Here's a response, though, that I'd imagine many management types coming up with. They'd say, sorry, Marg, this business is not about making people happy. (laughs) It's not about providing rest. I'm in this to either make money and or for the shareholders.
1: Yeah. And again, my argument is that, if people are treated well, and, and again, you know, people don't, don't wake up in the morning and think, what I want is to just, you know, the majority of people are going into work and they want to do a you know, fair day's work, fair day's pay. You know, I, I, I have yet to see large examples, huge examples of people just slacking off and, and wanting to take people for a ride. They're, what they're looking for is some fairness. And so the idea of treating people well creates loyalty that money just can't buy. Yeah. And this is what we see in the example of Herb Kelleher. That when, when his organisation was about to shut down, his staff said, we'll work with no money. We'll, you know, we'll continue to work through the tough times. And I've seen that in personal examples where staff have said, employees have said to their employer don't worry about that salary increase i know that when things get better you're going to take care of us because historically that's what that employer has done
0: and there's the trust again
1: absolutely if your people trust you they'll perform if they feel that there is just you know if, the, if their environment is fair and just they'll perform so what you get at the end of all of that is high performance
0: yeah, you do recognise the danger in this of this compassionate, affirming, trustworthy boss who's looking after his staff or her staff. There's a danger of him or her being taken for a ride, and and before long the lunatics are in charge of the asylum.
1: <laughs> and it, this is why, I again. It sounds as though I harp on about it, but it is saying you need to have balance between all those five behaviors. That's why we didn't see Jesus just be compassionate. Jesus is not only compassionate, but he calls people to account. He says, I forgive your sins, but sin no more. That's calling people to account. It's saying, I understand where you've been, but let's address where you're going. So it's that sense of you call people to account. and, And again, you know, the book is very much an introduction to behavior. Uh, I'm currently working with organizations who have said to me, well, how do, how do we make this real for us? How do we take this book and make it real for us? And uh, one of my clients has asked me to to write a program for them that does just that, that looks at how behavior is managed because what I've worked with, what I've seen in organizations and all, is organizations do performance reviews and they do performance re- appraisals. And that means that Someone can be, have the most horrible behaviour, treat people abysmally, but still perform very well and get a promotion and continue to be promoted through the organisation, creating ongoing chaos as, as this toxic individual is promoted through the ranks. What's important is that organisations balance that performance appraisal with a behaviour appraisal. Yes. And that's what the carrot Principle was about, is saying, look, it, it's, it's not just... If we get the right culture, we get the right behaviour, performance will come.
0: There's such wisdom in it, and I'm so glad we've had a chance to uh, explore it with you, Marg. We'll post the details of the carrot Principle up on our Open House Community Facebook page. Mark Toneman, thank you so much indeed for joining us. Thank you, Lee.